0: Dear friends in Christ, you're talking to someone about something, something that you know is true with your whole heart. And right in the middle of it, in that conversation, the most convincing point, they stop you. And at that point, those words that they say bring a sudden end to all discussion. They say, well, that's just not my experience. It's over. You feel like you've been torpedoed. And we know that experience is a strong argument when you're looking at circumstances and conversations, and that's understandable. We know that the majority of our learning, it comes from experience. We touch, we see, we hear, we feel, we taste. We try this and that, and we learn the truth about so many things from our experience. Experience is a great teacher, but by no means is experience the only teacher. And experience, even though it's often a source of good of, of good truth, and we know it's not the source by which all other particular sources must bow down to. To make one's own experience, the biggest really influence in truth really leads to a closed mind. It leads to something that, we were incapable of seeing itself. Reality is by no means limited to our experience. We saw in that gospel reading about Peter, and he would learn that Jesus is the one who is the Son of God. And he began to lead Peter beyond his experience. Those big crowds that were there, you know, they were gathering out Jesus because they had heard the news of his teaching. They heard about the miracles he was performing. And that was in the region of Galilee. Jesus was near that lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, which really isn't a sea at all because it's fresh water. So Jesus is standing there by the shore of that big lake, and the people, they're captivated by his presence. And they love those gracious words that he's speaking to them. They felt the need to get closer. Those words of Jesus were like a cool spring of water in the desert. And they were wanting to drink as deeply as they could. And so they're pressing and pushing, perhaps, and backing Jesus up against the lake. And so Jesus climbs into a boat. He asked the owner of one of those boats to put out a little from shore. And the owner of that boat? Simon Peter. Taking a seat in Peter's boat, Jesus began to, teach the people. And the physical situation there was really a natural auditorium. The shoreline there sloping down toward the lake, that would allow to have a classic amphitheater type of sound. Everyone could see Jesus and everyone could hear him. The morning sun, the fresh smell of the lake, the words of the Lord, it must have been a beautiful moment. And after Jesus finished speaking, He turns to Simon Peter, and he says something that would seem rather odd at the time. He says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, the reason that this seems so odd, because it was really in deep opposition to Peter's own experience. For Peter was a professional fisherman. He didn't just do fishing as a pastime or hobby. He made a living out of it. And he didn't merely casually understand the ways and means of fish. His livelihood, it depended on it. And from what I've read and what I've even seen there at that lake, we know that the type of fishing that's done in that lake, well, it doesn't happen in deep water. It happens near the land, close to the shoals. And add to that, Peter's most recent experience of working all night, catching nothing. You've got a pretty good, strong argument against putting nets down anywhere, let alone deep water. And as any fisherman knows, when the fish aren't active, the fish aren't active. Everything from Peter's experience was adding up against the Lord's command. But there was something about Jesus, something about his teaching that caused this rough-and-tumble fisherman to give in, even with having some serious arguments against it. Master, we worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Practical experience versus obedience of faith. The inner struggle of inner struggles. You know it well, don't you? For like Peter... You, know, you have quite a bit of experience in living. You've learned to depend on your experience in directing your life and in helping make certain decisions. But wait, the Lord has entered your boat. In one way or another, through baptism, through God's word, Jesus has placed himself, himself smack in the middle of your life. He's your Lord and Savior. You know that. And he's also the doorway to a reality that's much bigger and more amazing than your own experience. We know through his atoning death and resurrection, he's given us a forgiven relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's introduced you to the reality of God. And now he urges you onward. He urges you to live your life in full view. To do that, the fact that there's a reality beyond yourself. There's a reality beyond your experience. Thinking of the things that he said to you, we know those. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Everything in the world, everything that you've seen, everything that you've experienced tells you that that cannot be true. And yet you believe his promise, don't you? Jesus called you, and he wants you to let down your net so that you receive that abundance of eternal life. You've done so. You have believed. This is perhaps one of the first things that Christians come to believe in, to know about that eternal life. But Jesus would lead you onward. And your fishing trip with him, It's only begun. There are things that Jesus will continue to urge you to do by faith. And so far, perhaps, maybe you've only done them sporadically. Take prayer, for instance. We know that Jesus prayed all the time when he was here with us on this earth. And he encourages us to be active in our prayer life, too. But sometimes our minds are drained by our experiences that we go through. And we might say, well, I've tried praying before and it doesn't work. We say that in the quiet of our minds. But in stark contrast to our experience, what does Jesus say? He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. But there's more. Jesus tells us to be generous. He says, give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. That, too, violates everything we know from experience. Experience has taught us to be very protective of our own things that we have. Experience has taught us to be very frugal if we're ever going to make it. You know, a lot of us, we got our retirements we need to worry about, right? Well, Jesus tells us not to worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. He tells us to consider those birds and the lilies. He tells us that God will provide. And while our experience tells us that we are the ones who provide for ourselves, well, that's when we become like Peter. You know, if we ever get around to obeying Jesus... Perhaps we might do it reluctantly or with hesitation. Peter, he didn't hesitate for a long moment at all. Though he wasn't completely sold on the idea of going into deep waters to cast the net down for one more time. He says, because you say so, Lord, I will do it. And what happened next? Well, they ended up catching a large number of fish, so much that the nets began to break. And then Peter signals his buddies in the other boat to help them and we get to a point where both boats are about to be filling up so much to sink as well. And from this, Peter is the one who got a clearer picture of just who Jesus is. Peter drops down to his knees and he calls Jesus Lord. Having now witnessed what was well beyond the realm of his experience, Peter was awestruck. He realized how unworthy he was, how sinful. But Jesus assured him, he says, don't be afraid. For you see, Jesus knew all about Peter. He knew that he was a sinful and impulsive man, but he still wanted him to be his man. In the same way, he knows all about you and me. If he's reached out to you, if he has spoken to you into your heart, if you do now stand in the faith, you know that it's all because Jesus has chosen you to be his man or woman, his boy or girl. And when Peter and his buddies and Jesus are back on the shore, it says that they left everything and followed him. They left everything what had until now been their livelihood, their substance of life. And they had once thought that fishing was all that life was about. But not anymore now. They were beginning to see that Jesus, He's the way, the truth, and the life. So, what would have happened if Peter had refused to go out into deep water and cast that net? What if he had used his own personal experience as his final determination? What if he had said, Jesus, I like you and everything, but you know what? I know more about fishing than you do. I'm tired. The fish aren't moving. And deep water is no place to catch fish. What if Peter had said that? Peter would have missed really one of the greatest and most meaningful God-given experiences of his lifetime. And that story would have had a completely different ending. There would have been a couple of empty boats going back to shore. Peter, he would not have seen what he did see. Christians Christians often privately wish that God would be more real to them. Yes, they believe in Jesus. They believe in, that he forgives and loves and saves, that he's the one who calls them to repent of their sins. They like to hear his words. They are indeed Christians, but they're aching to see the reality of the Lord in their everyday lives. But that doesn't happen very often. For far too many, Jesus is kept confined to Sunday mornings. You know, we're here in God's house, and that's where we want to keep him. Or maybe there's a time we call on him on life and death emergencies. In all other situations, a lot of times it's guided by our personal experience. Jesus has promised to answer our prayers. And yet we might say, well, see, that's just not my experience. He's promised that the Lord will provide so that we can be generous and we say, sorry, that's not my experience. He's told us to speak boldly about him to others. And he's told us that he'd even give us the words to say. And we say, sorry, that's not my experience. We compare his command to our experience and we end up tuning him out. We remain in our boats then, and we fuss over our nets. We miss out on a lot of the stuff that Jesus would show us. Oh, he's still with us. He wants us, and he loves us, and he saves us. And our Lord knows exactly who we are, what we're like. And thank God he's patient with us. But because of our unwillingness to follow his commands, there are times that we miss out on really the cool stuff that he has for our lives. He'd like to take us to a faith, that faith that we have in our heads and in our hearts, and really make it grow, give us a much broader type of experience. And as Peter, he had looked up to the Lord from his knees. Jesus, he's the one who said, don't be afraid. For Peter and others, from now on, you will fish for people. But let's fast forward now to the day of Pentecost. And we've got people from around the world. You know, Peter is fishing. He's not in the, the Sea of Galilee, but he's in a sea of people that are coming from all around the world as they come to Jerusalem for that feast of Pentecost. And the net that Peter uses, it's the gospel. The good news that God saves people through that death and resurrection of his son. And people, they're coming in faith in great numbers. They're coming to faith in great numbers because of Peter preaching the gospel. Peter saw the words of Jesus come true before his very eyes as people from all around the world were swimming into that net as he spoke those words that he was given to cast out to them. Some 3,000 people came to faith on that day of Pentecost. And Peter, he got to be a part of it. In fact, he was the main one who was preaching that word, obviously, along with those other apostles who shared the word in each of the languages of the people who had come. At the end of that same chapter, Acts 2, it says that the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. And then just two chapters later, it says that many who heard the message Peter and John were preaching at that time, they believed. And so the number, the number of men who believed, it grew to a total of 5,000 now. 5,000 believers, and that didn't even include women and children. For some of us, casting that net, that gospel, Lord willing, it's going to take us up to Alaska this coming July. As we go back to Sterling, a place that we had started a three-year ministry up there back in 2003. To go now to perhaps those children who we had ministered to, it's possible that they have children of their own right now, that many years. And we know that God is calling us there. So that we can cast a net out. So that they may hear and believe. We can't expect to see everything that Peter saw. He was called to be an apostle. That's what Jesus had called him to do. Well, but we can expect to see the working of God in our lives every day. And what that means for you, exactly, I, I can't say. But what things does God have in store for you? Do you know? Do you think? Where will he take you? What will he show you? Follow him and you'll find out. You already know the ways of the world. You've experienced many things, right? But don't let your experience become your own personal prison and just keep you confined and locked in. Hear the word of Jesus as He calls you to do what he has given us as opportunities. To take the greater reality of his care and love for you to others. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.